Hello and welcome to another episode of How I Teach Golf. Today I'm going across the pond, only a short trip over into Switzerland, and I'm going to talk to my good friend Russell Warner. Russell, how are you, sir? I'm very well, Duncan. Thanks for the invite and uh, looking forward to this. Yeah, we just uh, we just had a big electrical storm, as it sometimes happens at the end of the day out here in the Alps. So Fantastic. luckily we are off the golf course in time and nothing happened. Oh, that's all good then. Um, Russell, tell me a bit about you growing up. How and uh, how you ended up in, in the, your beautiful location. Yeah, started out, uh, son of a golf pro. Um, I had to get up quite early at the weekends if I wanted to go to the golf club, which was a public golf course up in West London. And basically jumped in the car early morning with my dad and was just left to my own devices, either on the putting green or the chipping green or pestering people for a game. And, and that's sort of how I got into it. Um, we moved uh, over to the Isle of Wight, continued to play, got pretty good at it. Was one, had one of the lowest handicaps, I think, in England at the time from sort of mm -hmm. the age of 12. And then and had to uh, give up for a, a year or give up or stop playing. Okay. Uh, retook it back up when the doctor gave me the okay. Went through uh, about another sort of four or five years and got back more into the competitive side and ended up playing sort of counter golf with Luke Donald. Uh, had yeah. some good results at a national level, but ultimately when you get a chance to play practice rounds with Luke and teeing it up in some matches, then you realize uh, there's a different level to the one that you're playing. And uh, that yeah. sort of carried me on, went towards then the PGA training and I actually tried a lot of different sort of clubs around the UK, a lot of the famous names. Uh, no one really had any positions to offer at that time. And uh, then actually dad's head assistant left and I ended up uh, starting my PGA training with him. Okay. Where was Did, that? Uh, sorry? Where was that? That was at uh, Farnham Park, so just across the road from Stoke Park. Yeah. So I was a member at Ellsbury and Buckinghamshire and then uh, ended up yeah, down at uh, just, just north of Slough. Did uh, three, three and a half years sort of going through all the PGA stuff and uh, actually put in for a job at Ping to become a club fitter and uh, a teaching professional. Didn't quite get that position. And a couple of days later in the profile, the PGA magazine, there was a position written out in Switzerland for a third year trainee. And uh, luckily my dad said, uh, why don't I go and try? And three or four days later, I was actually out in Switzerland having a job interview and five or six Weeks later, I was packing the car and moving abroad. Wow. When was that? <clears throat> 2001. Yeah, my last year of training. So 2001, did uh, three years. It was a brand new public facility. We ended up with, uh, you know, that time golf was just booming in Switzerland. They just sort of built loads of new facilities. We had a driving range. We had six teaching professionals and we were all given 50 hours coaching a week. Wow. Uh, all new beginners. Uh, it was three hours in the morning, three hours after lunch, three hours of an evening, group courses of four, just, just getting people into the game. Uh, it was a great learning experience, teaching. I had to learn German at the same time. So uh -huh. I had language challenges. I had different cultural challenges. Um, and, and, you know, we have this test system over here, which people get up to a standard. Obviously, we were having people that had never, ever seen a golf ball or a golf club. So that was really eye-opening to have a challenge to 
really start from the beginning and say, you know, what is golf and how do we get the ball from here to here? And it was actually a funny story. It was one guy was on the driving range and he actually asked me what the point of the game was because we hadn't even shown him a golf hole. So he didn't even realize it was played on a golf course. And, and that wow. sort of started my, my thinking is to say, well, okay, you know, these guys, everybody in the UK had obviously seen golf on TV and these guys would turn up at a golf club and they didn't even know what the sport was. So it was a pretty sort of eye-opening experience for me, a great, great one. Spent three years doing that and it was a hard job, learned a lot um, and, mm. and got a chance in 2004 to become the, the head professional at Hyden, so where I'm now at and the attraction there was just to get a chance to work with all different sorts of golfers. So right the way through from beginners to advanced players. And I've been there ever since and still there today. So tell me about your facility. So tell me about the place that you're at. So, yeah, we got a golf club. It was actually built in 2001. Uh, there was basically a pitch and putt course in the region and a nine-hole course in the region. The people got together to, to fund a golf club. Uh, they built it. It's been very successful. We're, we're sort of located about 30 kilometers outside of Zurich. Uh, we now got 800 members, so we're, we're pretty much full. Complete broad spread of people that, that play there. Uh, we got 18 holes, driving range, sort of classic short game facilities, so, so the members can, can pretty much practice anything they want. Mm -hmm. uh, and the five-hole course, the five-hole pitch and putt course and the driving range, which is about 15 minutes uh, in the car that's also connected to us so we sort of got two two facilities in one so to speak and uh yeah that's uh it's a good fun to be at a, a golf club with an expanse of people all different levels you know not just youngsters or beginners or advanced players okay so what types what types of lessons do you actually give there do you do you do the whole spectrum or did you start we do. The we up, do pretty it? much everything. I mean, it's something where I've sort of taken it time to develop, and I suppose starting off. And actually, our most popular thing we we do a lot of, we sort of call it social golf coaching. It's it's group training. It comes from mm -hmm. sort of the idea of the fitness world where we got groups. We started off five years ago. In fact, when when my other coach Tim joined. Um, we were okay. looking for sort of ideas and, and he just gets groups of six people. It's generally the social aspect. So ladies together or seniors together or, you know, people after work. So everybody's there for the same reason and they sign up for a whole season and just go through and, and really do a bit of everything every week. So, you know, those are the people that are really just playing golf and obviously have, have a chance just to do an hour, an hour and a half practice every week. And do something constructive. Um, we do the social element as well with the kids' golf. It's a real, at the fun end, we call it. You know, we, we, we say to the parents, we just want the kids to come back next week. That's our only goal. We, we, we don't care uh -huh. if they miss the ball all day long. As long as they're having fun and they want to come back to the golf club, that's sort of the, the social end of where we join in. And as people develop, I suppose we've... we've uh, what I spend a lot of my time doing is I do still have a lot of individual lessons, you know, just based on people's needs. If they come with a slice or they come with a hook or they're shanking it, whatever, whatever comes up, we, we look at that. But what I tend to like to do is sit down and really get to know someone and have a chat and see where they're going. And, and we don't do any sort of packages like your classic, uh, 
eights or, or tens. We, we just try and do a commitment over a 16-week period. And then they mm -hmm. tell us how many times they want to sort of practice and how many lessons they're going to have. And we, we devise these packages to sort of support that, that time that they've really got to invest in golf, define some goals and, and, and go from there and work out what they're doing. And then, so it's very the, individualistic. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, we go right up to the top end with a couple of better players that I consult with. And, and I say that as a consultancy, I'm, you know, I wouldn't even say to some people, I'm even the coach. I'm just, you know, someone comes in, I have access to some tech. Um, we yeah. just do a consultancy, talk about the problems, whether we've had injury prevention, we've had ball flight causes and effects and understanding, mm -hmm. you know, the movement patterns that someone has. So I try, I definitely used to just teach a, a golf swing to people. And I think yep. uh, I'm moving towards, you know, listening and questioning people and understanding. And that's really the challenge we have is, is getting to people, you know, marketing it correctly that people can understand what they need. So we like to chat to people before they even come to a golf lesson. I think the worst thing is just if they sign in for 40 minutes and it's not really what they're looking for. No, so, you, so if someone wants a golf lesson with you, how would how how does that come about? Do they walk into a walk into the shop? Do they email you or a combination of either or? And you set up a meeting first. Is that is that's that the ideal scenario? It's the ideal yeah. scenario. We have conversations via WhatsApp. We have conversations in person at the golf club. We get in yeah. email inquiries, obviously with technology. We do have an online booking system, but the message uh -huh. is quite clear on the website that you know we really want to talk to you before we start doing anything. So okay. it's, it's an ongoing challenge for us. I mean, we're getting better at not not yet perfected. But uh, mm -hmm. it's, if we do have that conversation, I think we can use our time better in the long run. So say let's, let's say I've booked in to have that meeting with you. We're sitting down. We're having a, we're having a chat as well as a, a, a glass of water or whatever it is, a coffee. And you want to ask out what my wants and needs are. Uh, out of my game and I'm, I'm a 23 handicapper and I want to get down to 16. Um, I've got, um, I don't know, a, a physical limitation a little bit with my right knee that's been operated on a couple of times. Uh, do you, have you, have you like got a formulated, um, like a form or something that you will be no making notes on or do you set up someone's profile as as an individual how does for um, me i'm going to be honest it's a pretty yeah. uh based on the questions i ask ask and yeah. the answers i get just uh, uh -huh. that we see where it goes but yeah a lot of the time if you were saying you know your one goal was to get down to 16 and you're off 23 um mm. i'd generally be going out into the golf course with you and making a plan on how we could save uh, seven shots or three shots in nine holes Cool. So you'd go out on the course pretty yeah. much straight away. I'm uh, I'm spending more and more time on the golf course. Um, I realise that, and and actually, I think that the general recreational golfer that generally plays golf, yeah. that's uh, where they get their best learning because that they can understand it. That's that's what they're doing four hours on their Saturday. So it, it yeah. makes more sense to them. And you, that's where you gather. You feel as though you gather more evidence <clears throat> being out on the on the field of play, as it were. And you can, I think and you then get you to can know ask them. them questions as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, I really feel that they give more honest answers. I think 
you know, if something happens, you can have a conversation about, well, you know, what was that and what were you thinking and why did that happen? Uh, I just feel when we're on the driving range, it's very much our ball goes to the right and, and they panic. Oh, what did I do wrong? And, and let's just change something for the sake of changing something. Uh-huh. So um, that's that's sort of strategy scoring. You know, if someone's really got a, a limitation, then yep. you know, we might consult with someone else. We, we might use the 3D technology to see actually how they move. Um, yeah. Are they moving? Or, or why are they moving that way? You know, is it that concept or is it that their idea of what they should be doing in the swing or even a tip that a mate's given to them? You know, it's yeah, just, just yeah. spending time asking them and asking them. And I feel the more questions I ask often, the more we can sort of peel out and, and get to the bottom of the problem. And, and sometimes it's some real small, simple adjustments that can really make the biggest difference. Cool. So you've, you've let's say you've you've been out on the golf course now, and uh, you've got the evidence you feel as though you need to make the changes. Um, what technology and training aids do you tend to to, to use in your? You got you've got a swing room, right? I think I, I can recall I've a couple of years a, ago, three years ago, you had. A, I've I've got a fancy thing the golf club helped me uh, sort of do. So it was two range base we turned into. Uh, I think we called it a performance center or a swing studio. Um, I'd probably call it a, yeah. a consultation room is probably the uh, right word for it or a measuring yeah. room. Uh, we've got that yeah. kitted out with radar. We've got Ball 3D. Uh, Mark Ball's a, my, my sort of biomechanics genie. Who, any questions, I would ask him because he's more intelligent than me. Uh-huh. Um, we've got four sites. <laughs> um, We've got yeah pressure plates linked linked to uh, swing catalyst video, so we can pretty much measure everything. Yeah. But I think you know that technology, I'm generally using with the better players, um, or mm-hmm. if someone really wants to understand their own movement pattern, um, I think uh-huh. you know I feel 24 to 18 handicap, let's say. A lot of the time that can be done in, in management on the course. And, you know, there's often, a, I always think there's a, there's a, you know, the double bogey golf, the bogey golf and the par golf. And, and, and I sort of uh-huh. see people moving them through. And sometimes you do have to hit the ball better to get to that next level, hit more greens in regulation. Yeah. But, but I often think it's sort of misunderstood that, you know, maybe a 28 handicap or a 20 handicap or what it might just be how many times they hit it closer to the flag or, they know when to take three wood off the tee instead of driver. And, and sometimes mm. just moving them through the handicap sort of thing can be better decision-making on the course or different strategies and stuff as well as maybe a better process to the shots. I'm amazed that I'm yeah, amazed I mean, at the amount of rubbish people tell me when I ask, you know, what were you thinking about that? And I was thinking about my dog and that I've got to take it from home. <laughs> yeah. <you're> like, oh, <laughs> okay. okay. You know, that's fine. But... <laughs> You now understand why you topped it. Yeah. So uh... yeah, it, it, it's quite incredible because sometimes I'll I'll run a you know a kind of a track man combine uh, here at World of Golf and you know someone playing off twenty three suddenly has a an eight handicap on the race. That's it. And then they go out of the weekend and shoot ninety. Uh, I can come back to you. I come back. To and then they come back. A little story. The first weekend there in Switzerland, I uh, the head pro that brought me out here. 
he took me to the range and I watched his juniors, what I thought ripping it. And, you know, he asked me and he said, you know, what do you mm. think? And, and I said, well, you know, what do you think is handicap? And one kid I called as like a, a three or four. And he said he's off 16. Yeah. And he said, well, how can he be like that? And I, I said, right, well, you go and play with him next week in junior training. You tell me. And I went out on the golf course and just basically chatting to the kid. He, he'd never really had a chance to go out on the golf course. You know, he, he just just spent time wow. within the junior training, learning to hit golf balls. And he had, he had amazing technical skills. He had a sound understanding of how to move and, and how to strike a golf ball. Had no ability to, mm. to make a decision on a shot or visualize a shot or work out where he needed to play a hole. Um, and and that, yeah. was, that was eye-opening for me as well. It's, it's something I always sort of bear in mind. It's, it's a lot of pieces of the pie to, to fit together to shoot a good score. Yeah. And do you find then with the better players, uh, you, you know, you mentioned that, uh, that sometimes you, you're consulting with better players, whether they be uh, high-end or high-level amateur players or even mini-tour players, that type of thing. Do you find that they seek you out because you've got the technology or it's seeking you out now that you've been there for coming up to 15 years and they obviously, because you, you've got a role with Yeah, the, yeah, I'm a committee yeah, member in the Swiss PJ. Uh, I got in by accident. Um, <laughs> no, actually, um, I mean, my okay. educational journey, sort of go, going back to understand that, I, I was having dinner with Martin Hall. Uh, he spoke for the Swiss PJ about yep. 12 years ago, probably. Uh, and in all honesty, I felt mm-hmm. quite embarrassed to, to say anything. I, you know, I didn't know half of the things he was talking about. And uh, by the end of the night, I'd, okay. Martin had spoke about the USPGA teaching conference. And uh, I said to Martin, well, as long as I go yeah. over, I want to also spend a day with you on the range. Um, and, and that sort of sent me off Great. on this educational journey. I, I spent a lot of time speaking to people and suddenly realized actually that my skills as a coach probably weren't as, as good as they should have been but obviously being busy in Switzerland I probably hadn't had enough time to even think about that mm-hmm. um, and, and yep. through that I spent a lot of time speaking to a lot of people attending different seminars uh, good friend Richard Abbey was was involved with the education committee as well yep. and when Richie sort of stepped down he asked me to carry it on and uh, well, one of my old mentors, Volker Kroeski, who, who passed away a few years ago. He was Jim Flick's ex-trainee and uh, a good friend of Martin's as well. He was the president okay. of the Swiss PJ many years ago. Yeah. And we're just trying to sort of keep it going. It's great to see now, you know, young Swiss kids coming through the system and doing the training. And the Swiss PJ got recognized with the gold standard mm-hmm. from the PJ Europe. So... We, we did a complete revamp Fantastic. and I sort of look after the further education side. I helped to get speakers and, you know, we, we go from classic sort of days where we get in a Chuck Cooker or a Mike Adams over to pretty broad subjects. Yeah. Um, whatever we really feel, we've got a day coming up with Ian Peak um, and Alistair Spink, you know, yeah. talking about ladies and, and, uh, yeah. and seniors golf. And so, Really what's happened is obviously because I've been involved in education, I suppose because I've taken the time to connect with people and, and share a little bit of knowledge with them, people have, have sought me out. And I, I'm very much 
the idea that it's a team game, you know, that I'm, I work with another coach and the player, you know, I'm not there just because of my own ego to say, mm-hmm. oh, look, I coach him. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just, if someone comes to me with a question, I'm prepared to help and not everybody can afford all this 3D technology. So if someone wants to come in and get a 3D measurement and take it, they can do. Or if they want my opinion on it, then, then I'm yeah. happy to give it. But I don't sort of jump over the fence and say, oh, I'm coaching him or he's my player. I think that's, uh, that's one of the dislikes I have with the industry at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think it's I do. changing. I think it's changing, especially what I'm seeing in the UK and definitely some initiatives sort of getting clubs and counties and, and national coaches together. That, that's definitely for sure going to change yeah. and we have to because that will help in the future. Mm. I can still remember. I think you took the time to come over to meet John Jacobs when we put on a a BBNO coaching oh, summit. Oh, fantastic! I can't remember what year that was? That it was, was a long time uh, ago now, it, was it Jamie Edwards, John Jacobs, uh, one of the yeah. guys about the juniors? Yeah. And then I spent the other day playing. Yeah. Um, Andy Taylor. That was. Out. I mean, that that's how I spent forty eight hours in there. There you golf. go. That's that's a, that's a that's little a proper, proper trip. trip I do a few trips. And then after that, you and I were always at the same CPDs and bits and pieces. And I know you've, have you finished? I have, uh, I shouldn't say how many, but I I have 6,000 words to hand in on the 20th of June. So uh, if if someone's listening that's going to mark it, then I'm doing my best. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, that's been eye-opening. It's really shifted me from the sport of golf to the idea of people, the idea of who's the person mm-hmm. in front of me, um, who am I coaching, how am I coaching them, how are they going to learn. Yeah, um, Yeah. and this this last three or four months has been reflecting on a lot of the stuff that I've had to read, but now ultimately apply to my own practice and, you know, make my coaching better. And, yeah. and that's something I'm really grateful for. I mean, it's just, just a fantastic chance from the British PJ and the University of Birmingham to actually give guys like us some real mm. support instead of just, you know, I spent so many years trying to find it on my own and, and now you've got some really clever guys who can actually give you a nudge and a prod in the right direction and probably speed up the process a bit. Yeah. And I know you've obviously already mentioned Martin uh, Martin Hall with regards to being kind of a guide stroke mentor to you. Is there any other people that have been very helpful towards your kind of molding your career or directing you down certain paths or just showing you here's a different way, there's a different way you should speak to that person. Yeah, I think um, I mean, first of all, Dad um, you know, I think Dad was one of the you know, yeah. he, was, he was one of the old school pros that did actually do some CPD and getting interested in it at the start so that obviously had an influence on me Yes. Um, really it was conversations and according to i think according to my needs i then just tried to find out who was the best to whether it was putting and you know we got phil kenyon over to to switzerland um we got mac o'grady over to switzerland for three days you know it was just like why do i need to speak to this person and what can i get out of them and and i've been fortunate enough there to through recommendations like I said, Mark Ball has immensely improved my understanding of the body. Um, all the guys at the University of Birmingham yep. challenge you to think about the social side, challenge you to think about the learning side. 
Um, and then even down to my colleagues, yeah. you know, just normal PGA pros that are out there day to day and we're at an event and, and a conversation happens about something and, and you just think, oh, I've never thought about that. So I think learning comes in many guises and, and it's not just sat in a room for sure listening to someone talk. No, absolutely. You've got to take that information and, you know, reflect on it critically and Definitely. see where it takes you from there. Excellent. Now, Russell, um, you've obviously travelled a fair bit. Um, I can distinctly remember you in Florida, Scottsdale, obviously in Switzerland. I think you did a bit of an Asian trip once or twice. So, do you have a favourite golf course? That's a great question. Um, I, I've been fortunate <laughs> enough to play from on on many great golf courses. Um, my favourite in the US was Riviera. Uh, it was just an absolute unbelievable experience oh, wow. from the customer service from the minute I walked in to the minute I walked out. Um, yeah. In the UK, oh. um, I was fortunate enough to be over on the old course two weeks ago with clients. And that is just an absolute Brilliant. buzz. It's now the third time I've played it. And when you turn for home, you know, the hair stand on the end. It's just, it's just such an awesome place. Uh, I did actually hit one live on Facebook for Birdie. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> I thought I'd actually hit the hotel on 17, but it was still in bounds. And three par 17, and then yeah. Uh, yeah, missed about four footer I think for oh. uh, for level par. So yeah, oh. <laughs> but uh, still very the old very is, good. Is is special. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed the new Castle Course there as well. It was it's it's stunning views. And, and, and I'm just always, yeah. uh, I'm just funny enough uh, doing my, my summer week off and, and sorting out some trips back to the UK. But I love the classic, the Lynx courses like Birkdale, like the Heathlands, Hollingwell and Sunningdale. And, and yeah. I'm looking forward to playing Swinley yeah. Forest in July. So I'm going to, everybody tells me it's fantastic. So maybe that'll creep on the list. I haven't though. You've not played Swinley. looking forward to it. Oh, I hope it, I hope you just have the best weather. It's it's uh, I love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. It, you're, uh, I really hope you enjoy it. I really hope you enjoy it. So um, we're going to say that you've got to set up your academy again, um, uh, but this time we're only going to give okay. you hundred euros. So what would you spend it on to help the, all you know the full range of golfers that uh, that you already that you um... so well. Great question. I think I haven't listened to all the podcasts that you've done so far, so I hope I'm not. But I know one guy did say it, but for me, it's the number one is a notebook and a pen. You know, that for me is just, uh, yeah. we do use apps as well to record stuff. But, you know, a notebook and a pen is just the best yeah. learning tool ever. And if people can get in habits of writing down their thoughts and feelings, not only by training, but playing, I think that's huge. Um so what are you doing? Are you spending ninety pounds yeah, yeah, on Mont Blanc. Jamie Edwards, Switzerland. You know, <laughs> Mont Blanc. There you That's go. I'll, I'll um, you that one. But no, <laughs> I'll, I'll go big. I'll go big. We'll keep it. We'll, we'll even take a pencil from the clubhouse, so that's free. Um, I love. I go. love a bit of chalk. Yep. So I'm always drawing things on the, on the ground or targets. Uh, that's very, mm -hmm. very mm -hmm. easy to use, and, and you can do a lot with. And actually. Yeah. You know, in all honesty, I, I think a real book on, on 
on learning and how people really learn movement and skill. I just think a lot of people okay. get confused. They're, they're trying to learn it like maths, you know, what's two plus two. And I think if people can really start mm-hmm. to understand that, you know, I know Michael Hebron's done some great ones on, on learning, um, but if they understand that they're going to go into some sort of process that, that sort of needs some guidance, that they're going to struggle, that they're going to fail, but, you know, if they explore and they get a little bit of help, it, they will get better. Then, then I think that will sort of shape their attitude and they'll enjoy the process a bit more. So I, I, would, I would spend that money probably on a decent book on learning and get people to read that probably before they even started. Have you got a recommendation in there or Mike Hebron's um, I like play golf, play to, golf, learn golf to learn golf? Uh, the, the new one, the, the brain, brain-based learning, or, or uh, I thought as well. I think, you yeah. know, just the way he writes them, they're, they're applicable. They're not so academic. You can, a normal person can sort of understand them and work out what's going on. Learning with the brain in mind, I've just turned around. I can see it on my bookshelf. Hey. Those type of things. Hey. I think, I think, I think that's better than any training aid I've ever spent money on, in all honesty. <laughs> okay. Um, can you give us a golfing prediction for the year? Good question. Um, I, I think there's, there's two things that I predict is going to happen more. Uh, I believe more people are going to get worse from the tips they implement from social media than they're going to get better. I really do yep. just see a trend of people getting lost. And I think that's just becoming a bit that people are following and just pinging up a video. I had a discussion yesterday with a guy that was struggling with his putting and he's, I mean, the guy's struggling with his putting because he's trying to implement 20 YouTube videos in one stroke. Um, and, yeah. and that for me, that prediction is that people are going to start to get worse because of social media and, and, and the internet, because they're just not able to process and, and understand the information and, or is it even relevant to them? Um, and my second yes. prediction is, is a little bit of a sad one, but a little bit of a play is I think more golfers are going to leave the game because their experience isn't what they're looking for. And, and I say that because I really want coaches, pros, managers, club committees, the national and government bodies to, to get on board and, and start to listen to these golfers and what they want to, they want from, it's, you know, we started probably because of the competitive side, but when I speak to people, people want loads of different things. And I, that's my prediction is that people will leave the game if we don't. Yeah. Just really hope that those in charge, including ourselves, you know, can get it right and start to start to change the experience. So people really do enjoy it. I was. It's interesting because that's kind of led me into the into another question, which is regards to why do you feel as though um, people won't take golf lessons or almost kind of won't get into the game? Or sorry, say that again. And again, Don't you just why, broke up. Why, yeah, sorry. I, I was. Uh, the question was. It kind of led me into why do you think people don't take golf lessons? Um, is it, do you think that there's so much information out there on social that they just think I can get it on there? Or is it a case of they're a bit worried that someone, they're going to say two or three things and we're just going to stand there and say, oh, well, do you know what? We have to start all over again. Or 
you know, what, what, do, what do, why do you feel as though people won't take off? Um, I've asked that question to a lot of people, and I'm going to just get yeah. a spectrum of answers from yeah. I've taken lessons before and it didn't work through to yeah. uh, it was really complicated. It, they made me feel silly, and I think that's our sort yeah. of responsibility. Yeah, um, through to people being scared of taking golf lessons. I had an old lady who actually said to me, well, I, I saw those cameras and stuff and I thought you'd be really complicated. And I was like, well, I was just out on the golf course with her and that was a realisation mm. for me as her perception of what I was. Mm. Um, so people are possibly scared. I think there's a time thing that basically people get to a level and just realise, okay, I'm a 24 handicapper and I can play and I can enjoy the game and that's fine. Yeah. You know, I play tennis two or three times in the winter. I never take a lesson. I just go and smack it around and clean up afterwards. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that, that's my needs, you know. So um, yeah. I, I decided to take skiing lessons because I thought I might kill myself if I didn't. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a needs-based approach. And I think that's that's those needs are completely different. So I think there's we've all got a role to play from the player themselves and understanding, you know, what they want from the game through to the coaches to make that experience as good as it possibly can be for that person and understanding who's that person, you know, in front of them and what do they want? Not just some swing idea, but, but just listening to that person and taking a little bit of time to understand. That's a great answer there, Russell. So, um, as your guest of the day, you get to ask question of the day. So it can be golf-related, um, but basically, uh, I want to encourage people to give us feedback on the on this podcast. So, uh, Russell, fire away with question of the day, if you don't mind. Well, based on sort of what I said before and understanding, you know, what you want from the game, I'd, I'd really like to get out of it. Why did they start the game? Um, and, and some of those listeners, of what they're looking for from golf because if we can understand why they're playing this great game then as coaches I think we can help yep. you get into the game how can I help you what are you looking for what what re why do you play golf why, why do you, do you play, play golf? golf fantastic so boiling it down to one question why do you play golf fantastic yeah thanks Russell that's the one. Uh, Social media side, um, give us all the handles. What platforms are you on? Are you on Facebook? I'm on Facebook under Russell Warner. I think people can find me. Yeah. Uh, are you uh, on Instagram? I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, which I think is Russell Warner PGA. Yeah. So R-U-W-R-U-S-S-E-L-L is Russell. Russell Warner PGA on Instagram, on Twitter. Russell Warner. I'm just realizing that all of my tags are completely different. That's not very professional, is it? Uh, <laughs> it just means they'll be able to find um, you after listening to the podcast. That's it. That's it. Uh, is uh, anybody out in Switzerland who wants to come along? It's www.eht.ch. So we're any better. The fun. Hello, you still with us, Russell? I yeah. am. Can you just do the website? Again the website. For the, can you do the website again for the uh, for the golf club, please? No. The website is www.gaht.ch. Fantastic. That's where you'll find all the information. If you can read German. Uh -huh. 
Yes, I definitely can't. How is yours? Ah, that's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Russell, thanks ever so much for coming on the podcast. When you see Dad, please say hello to him uh, from me. I've got fond memories of teaching Open Championships in the swing zone with with your dad, doing uh, three 15-minute lessons in the the nets, and we had a lot of laughs over a two- or three-year period. So um, please say hello to him from me. I will do, for sure. With you either at uh, some career development program uh, or probably on the back of the range somewhere um, looking at some swings or following some golfers around the golf course. Definitely. Excellent. We'll catch up soon. Thank I you. Everyone so much for coming on. Take Cheers, care. Thank you. Thanks. Thank Cheers, you. Mate. Keep up the good work. Cheers. Bye.